Amen. Thank you, Sean and Emma, for coming out and helping us out this morning. Good morning. My name is Mike Geary. Yeah, give them a round of applause. Always nice to have you all in the house. Uh, My name is Mike Geary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church, and Communitas is a church which exists to love God, to love people, and to build disciples through serving here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. So we have gathered this morning to worship, uh, just our very nature of coming together, submitting to one another, um, and coming to corporately encourage one another and to hear uh, the proclaimed word of God and celebrate the sacrament is by itself uh, an act of worship. Uh, we've also worshiped, as, as Sean said, through sings, through the proclamation of who God is and what he's done. Uh, we're going to uh, listen to, to the preaching, which is also a form of worship. And before we get to that, or we also uh, we've worshipped through the tithes and the offerings. So we thank you for your generosity in that regard. And then we're about to move into the time of our service where we worship through communion. And uh, we celebrate open communion here, which means that you don't need to be a member of this church. We just ask that you are a follower of Jesus if you want to participate in this meal uh, with us. And we see there's a lot of kids out here. Kids, we're really glad that you all are here. Here. And parents, we're going to leave it up to you to discern whether or not uh, um, communion is an appropriate form of worship for your kids. And so the reason that communion is, is special, you know, we look at it and we go, oh, it's crackers and juice, right? Like, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's organic juice. Like, that, that's good, right? And I mean, they're matzo crackers. So, I mean, there's, there's something kind of cool about it, maybe, if that's what you're into. But, but, what the ingredients are isn't necessarily what makes the meal special. This meal is special because it's something that has been celebrated uh, for 2,000 years. And it connects us as a church both to Jesus' message um, the last time that he was together with his friends before he was betrayed and given over to die and then rise again. But also it connects us with with the church around the world. So uh, today there are churches who will celebrate this meal around town, around the state, around the globe. Um, And some of them will celebrate it in different frequencies. We've talked about that, where some of them it's weekly, monthly, twice a year, daily, whatever. But we all celebrate it together. It's this uniting meal. And so when, when you come forward to take this meal, some of what you're doing is you're saying, I'm with you to the people that are around you. Maybe you came with with family, or or maybe you came alone. But regardless, if you're here, you're you're not alone. You're with others, and so when you come forward to take this meal, it's it's a it's a reminder to ourselves to remember that that we join with Christ in taking up of our own cross and to follow Him. And so it's almost this kind of almost a rededication or reaffirmation of what we believe as Christians. And then it's also a a public declaration to those around us to say that I'm all in and I'm all in with you. And so it means that we get to encourage one another and we get to hold one another accountable. And so part of what we do here at Communitas is we take a few moments beforehand just to to spend some time in silence to listen. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time singing and talking and, and, and hearing from people in church, but we want to make sure that we, we take some time to build that ability to hear from the Lord, to take that time for the Holy Spirit to work within us to, uh, to confirm and also to convict us of certain things. So this last week, there maybe have been some times when you've done some really great things. The Lord has been working in your life, and, and we can see that as evident in, in, in the way that you've been living. 
And so there might be a time where you're just going, yeah, God, like, thank you for that moment. Help me to do that more often. There may also be some moments where you went, yeah, I didn't do very well there. I didn't live like Jesus would have me live. And so that's a good time just to say, Lord, you know, show me these areas. Take me into my heart and, and continue to work and heal me so that I don't do that as often. And so we're going to take a few moments just to, to reflect on who God is and what he's done, who Jesus is and what his life looked like and how we're supposed to live that way through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to, we're going to listen and, and, and see what the Holy Spirit might say to us. And with a group this large, I'm not naive to the point where I would believe that everyone in here is a follower. And so if you're here and you're just kind of kicking around the tires of the faith and you're just going, I don't really know what's going on. I just came because I don't know. I'm really glad that you're here. This is a safe place for you to be. And this is an okay time for you to just spend a few moments and just ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. And to say, you know, just, just talk. And then spend some time and listen. And quiet down your mind and your heart and see what, what the Lord may have for you. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to spend some time in silence. And we know that, hey, there's a bunch of little kids around here. And, and, uh, and they might make some noise. And that's okay. This is all a learning process. Discipleship is slow. It's a crock pot, not a microwave. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to take a little bit of time to stew in this together. And then as you're ready, come on forward and grab the elements that we've laid out to your right and to your left. And then to bring them back to your seat. And then as, so as you're ready, grab that. And then once everyone's come up, I'll read some words from Scripture and we'll all partake of the meal together. So Lord, we thank you for this gathering of people. Thank you for bringing us all here safely. And Jesus, we're amazed at, at the way in which you live your life and, and what this meal means to your church. So Holy Spirit, in this time, I pray that you would help us to quiet down our minds, soften our hearts, that we'd be able to listen to you as we examine our lives and as you show us what it is to, to live a resurrected life. And so we pray that you would, you would confirm and, and convict us in this time. Help us to move closer and closer to one another and closer and closer to you. I'm very impressed by how long we can be quiet and listen. There's not too many places where I go in my world where there's this many people together. And you can just listen. So, way to go. So as Jesus and his friends were eating, it was the last time that they were together, so think, you know, last Thursday, um, you know, most of us probably got together with at least one other person and absorbed more calories than is maybe advisable. So, and this is kind of the, and it's sort of a, like a national thing for us, you know? So this would have been both national, but then also deep, deeply religious for Jesus and his disciples, a very similar meal. This meal of Thanksgiving, but it's the last time that they're together. Jesus takes the bread and after he blesses it, breaks it and gives it to the disciples and says, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and when he given thanks, gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this forgiveness that you offer us. 
this covenant into which we've been invited. So Lord, we pray that uh, we would answer that call and walk diligently with you. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are going to be making their way around. Feel free to put your cups in there and we will dispose of them for you. All right, kids. Man, it was, you guys did a great job today. You're like really quiet. That was awesome. Henry is ready to just bolt on out of here. You, oh, and Eleanor is too. We have just a little bit of excitement. All right, well, this is the time of our service where you get to head out toward this door. And we've got some folks back there who have a great lesson planned for you. Lord, we thank you for these kids. And we're so glad that you have... Oh, we... Uh, well, all right. Usually we read first, but uh, they're on the way out. We'll go with that momentum. I knew I was... Knew we got something out of order. Darn it. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for these kids and, uh, and the folks that will be back there teaching them. We understand, Lord, that that is a, a very high call to teach kids and isn't something that you take lightly. And so we pray that we would be a church that demonstrates to them what it is to know and to follow you. Amen. All right, well... Those of you who are still in here, you will have to relay to those who had to head back there, both big and little, uh, what we read here this morning. So at this time, Seth is going to come on up and read our scripture passage for us today. We will be in Matthew chapter 28, starting in uh, verse 9. If you have a paper Bible and want to follow along, feel free to pull that out. Most of the pages will be to your left. Some of them will still be to the right. If you have a mobile device, feel free to pull that out, tap, swipe, do whatever you need to do to follow that. If neither of those options are available, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. Seth, whenever you're ready. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thanks, Seth. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the way that it's been preserved and the way that we're able to read it here publicly today. We pray for your church and for those people around the world for whom that is not the case. We pray that we would work both in, uh, in translation and our ability to influence policy that um, we would influence in such a way that people would flourish and be able to honor you. Amen. 
this is normally when we would dismiss the kids, but since we've already done that, uh, we're good to go. And so like I say, you'll have to just, this was a nice little short one. You can read it to, uh, to all of them in a bit. Uh, so since it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I thought that we could start off talking about food. Uh, I went out and uh, we're not going to talk about turkey or cranberries. I went and had a burger yesterday and uh, went to this, I just love those little kind of hole-in-the-wall burger places. And there's this one not far from my parents' house. And we all went out to lunch as a family. And you know those places where they have the, the like can crusher looking potato French fry maker right next to the fryer where it's pretty much like a potato one minute and they you know kind of do this thing and then it falls into the oil and 90 seconds later French fries? Like you familiar with these? Yeah, uh, those are probably my favorite kind of places to go to. Just love them, and um, and and just and and, and when they you're like share, you know. So like I'm a I'm a both and kind of guy. I don't like to look down the menu and where it's like you can get this or this or this. I really like it when I can see you can get this and this and this, which is what's nice going out with my family because then like all five of us order five different things, you know, both burgers and sides, and then we can just kind of do and, you know, instead of either or. I really like that. So you get like sweet potato fries, French fries, all kinds of different things. Anybody else kind of like to do the smorgasbord? Yeah, pretty great. I went to this restaurant in Texas one time. If you get a chance to travel to Texas, go ahead and do that, especially for the food. I'm sitting at this restaurant and I notice there's commas, there's not ors and commas, you know, usually that's a list. And at the end said, and so the sides, you could get like anything, all five of them, if you wanted to, or you could just get a big pile of it. So I really like when, when my, my side options include and not, or just a fun fact about that. So last week we talked about Mary Magdalene and, uh, and seeing and hearing. And this week we're going to talk about going and telling. Uh, so last week we talked, see, hear, follow this week. Go and tell. So it's kind of a, a, a two pieces of the same coin. And so last week, you know, kind of a two-part series, if you will. And so last week, we see that it's, it's important to see and hear Jesus and follow Jesus. And then as part of following Jesus, we have, because of his authority, because all authority has been given to him, then we are to go and tell. And as you go and tell, it will cause you to see and hear Jesus, follow him more closely, and then you will go and tell more frequently, and then you will see and hear and follow and go and tell. So we see that they feed into one another. And so last week we talked, we, we kind of followed Mary Magdalene's journey from the death and the resurrection and then the going to tell the disciples to kind of reunite the church um, and we, we followed her journey. And so today, I want us to imagine and just kind of think this way. So if you, if you were with us last spring, we talked about Matthew is, is this book and that had been written to the people of God to tell them about the Messiah. And, and so in the first part of the book, Matthew kind of comes in and, and he uses all this uh, kind of artistic expression to, to show that that Jesus is the, the second Adam who overcomes the effects of the fall and that he's, he's a new and better Moses. He's a new and better Elijah. And in kind of in layman's terms, he just says, Jesus is here. Jesus is the Messiah. You've been waiting for the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Jesus is that. And if you were a, an ancient Near Eastern, uh, if you're a people of God in, living in the ancient Near East, this would have been a huge news for you. This would have been a big deal. And so um, 
and, and so what, what would have happened is you'd have had this letter and, and you'd have listened to it. And people, they would have read it. We'd have gotten together kind of similar to what Seth did. And we'd probably be in little houses and, and we'd kind of pack in like we are here. And someone would just go through and they'd read. And this is a little bit longer. And so they maybe didn't do it all in one sitting. But this would have been something that would have been read. And so I want you to just imagine for a moment that you're, you're there in the ancient Near East and you're crammed in this little house with someone and, and, and you've read your whole life about Moses and Elijah kind of being these two big figures in you know, the law and the prophet. And you've read about, about, about Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and the sin and the fall of man and the kind of the destruction that's happened and all the various covenants and agreements that God has made with his people to move them toward himself. And so you know all these things, and then all of a sudden you're reading Matthew, and, and you get to the, the last part, what Seth just read, and, and it talks about all authority being given, go and, and baptize and make disciples and teach. And, and all of a sudden you, you maybe start thinking back to, to Jesus' own baptism, the very beginning, you know, the, the first time when, when we, we started talking about this, and I think Chris preached on, on Matthew 3 a few months back, and, and the baptism and... and uh, and the calling of the first disciples. And so all of a sudden you see that, that Jesus is perpetuating this call, and he's, he's taking the call that he made to his disciples, and he's laying it out on us. And so imagine that you're there and you're listening, and, and someone says about someone who's dead and has come back, that, that these disciples, that says that the women came and they, they grabbed Jesus' feet. If I come up and I, and I grab your feet, what does that say about you? You're real. You have physical matter, right? Like if I grab onto my arm and, my, and I don't go all the way through, that means that something has stopped. It's physical. It's real. And so they're saying that Jesus is real. And, and common folklore in the day, ghosts didn't have feet. Okay, and so if I go up and I, so, so Matthew is, he's kind of using some code and some artistic language to say, hey, look, Jesus is real. Jesus is back. Not just, he's not just a ghost or a spirit, but he's, he's right there. You can see, hear, and touch him. And so, I mean, would you not be just a little bit amazed by that? And I, I love the, the first words that, that Jesus says, right? So then they come up and, Greetings. Translated, hi. Shalom, peace. Hey, hey. Just a very casual, isn't this thundering like, hi, I, Jesus, the risen Lord, new king. No, it's just, hi. Can you imagine the relief that you'd feel if you're one of the disciples and you'd, you'd betrayed your best friend and, and then the moment you go to, to see him again, like he just comes up to you and, Hi. Hi. And you can see and feel and touch him, and he just greets you and just says, Hi. Amazement and relief. Something we can certainly go and tell about. So we read that this, this, all authority has been given to him, and we, we hearken these stories of his baptism and this idea of repenting and following. And then. And I love that Matthew just slides this other story. And he's like, oh, by the way, there was this plan to undo everything. And that story remains popular. He doesn't dwell on it. No Facebook rant. You know, he doesn't, you know, start a podcast on it. And he's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, this was happening. But really what's more important is Jesus over here. And we'll get more to that 
in a little bit. And so why does Matthew write these stories and lay this out in such a way? Because he wants to communicate this idea that the resurrection has power over sin and over death. That Jesus has the power to forgive sins and to give life. And so when we see Jesus, I think it's always interesting that he start, that especially in this case, he starts with, do not be afraid. Why? Why does he start with fear? Well, we talked about last week how fear monopolizes our attention. You know, and so fear is a, is a stumbling block to the gospel. Fear blocks out good news. You can't hear Jesus' words if you're afraid. He used to work with a, a young boy who'd been, um, he'd been neglected severely as a child, and so he would hoard food. And, and you, couldn't, you, you couldn't get words through to him to say, like, you're okay, I'm going to feed you. It's, it's going to be all right, because he was so afraid. If you caught him, he'd kind of like squirrel food away and hide it in his backpack or in his coat pockets or something. And not just like granola bars that were pre-wrapped and designed for that sort of thing, like half-eaten apples and you know, carrot sticks and things like that. And maybe some of you have felt that, and, and you, so you know the gripping power that fear can have over truth and over freedom. And so when Jesus comes in and says, do not be afraid, it isn't just to say, hey, it's all going to be over, but it's so that we can start to understand and we can start to know and we can start to walk in him because he's got us. So he eliminates fear and then he brings forgiveness. And I think this is a really interesting thing that we, we need to note as we think about making disciples, that he eliminates fear and then he brings about forgiveness. He calls him brothers, right? So if if so imagine, you know, there you're still in that little house and, and you're 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 listening to these people read this the story about from from Matthew about Jesus, and um and you're thinking, gosh, like there's all kinds of names that you could call someone that betrayed you, right? Like if you're Jesus and your eleven best friends who said that they would never leave you, would always defend you, literally leave you for dead. Like, if you're in that situation, like, you've been left for dead by your very best friends, 11 of your best friends, who swore that they would never, ever leave you. Are there a few names that you might want to call them the next time you saw them? Does brother make it in the top three? Top five? Top ten? Probably not, really. That's not a natural human Reaction, this is evident, I mean, this is like, I mean, this is obviously the power of, of the Holy Spirit working within someone, right? Like that would take some pretty serious resources for you to not want to call them some pretty nasty names. But here Jesus calls them brother. He initiates the forgiveness and brings them to himself. And so I think that when we, while there's some of us may have, some of that kind of scary, hey, you know, like accept Jesus or you're going to go to hell and perish and die and you know, like a thousand fires or whatever else. Sometimes that can be an effective tool for evangelism. And maybe some of you, that's part of your story. But more often than not, I've heard that story as, as kind of an, an, a hindrance. And so I think that there, we need to hold and balance recognizing doom and then using it as a scare tactic to repentance. Uh, when we bring people to the faith. And so I think it's interesting that he says, okay, so after this, so like, 
He offers his forgiveness and then says, okay, let's go meet in Galilee. Why Galilee? It, for, for one, it's, it's the far reaches of, of the whole, like kind of the, of, 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 uh, of the nation of Israel. It's, it's right before you get into Gentile territory. So already we see this shift from see and hear to go and tell. But also by going back to Galilee, he gathers them back in the same place where he found them. He gathers them corporately. And so it gives us this, this nod toward, hey, like, why do we gather here today? Because we're better when we're together. We, we're able to encourage one another and to hold one another accountable. Because it isn't just a, a one-on-one, right? Like, it's better when we're together. And so we see that you know it, it isn't about us, and that there's strength and there's validity in the gathered group. And this notion that you know whenever we sometimes we leave a group of gathered Christians, and uh, and we say, oh, I didn't get anything out of that. That's a really weird response. You know, I just and as I was as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, like Jesus never gives that response, right? Like he he doesn't walk out of the tomb, like man, I didn't get anything out of that. <laughs> Just a couple holes in my hands and some scars in my side. Like, no, what does he do? He walks out of the tomb and immediately says, where are those people that betrayed me? Where are those lost and wandering souls that need forgiveness, that need life? Where are those dead folks that need to be raised? Again, I'm going to go find them. I'm going to greet them. I'm going to forgive them. And so we see that it's not about us. It's about going and telling. Already we see that it's, it's not a me-centered, but a Christ-centered mission. And so where's the hope in this? I think when, I, when we look at in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Okay, if you're, if you're Jesus and you're thinking, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant my church. I'm going to start this sucker up. How are we going to do this? Um, did anyone do those those ethics exercises in school where they're like, okay, you can only choose ten people to restart the world? You know, have you ever do those, or did I just have a weird education? That's totally possible. Okay, so this was this thing that we had to do. Nobody ever had to do those. You're all spared. So that's great. We had to do these things where they'd say like, okay, if, you know, you can only choose ten people, and what it is is to kind of wake up your ethics. And so if you're if you're Jesus and you're thinking, you know, like, so if you and I are gathering together and we're like, let's put together like the best church staff, right? Like you want to get the best, the smartest, like, you know, all these different things. And the great hope that I see in this is that Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to gather this 11. Guys, 11 guys that, that all betrayed me. And if you're that reader or that listener and you're there in that little house listening and you hear the word 11, that's a number that would symbolize incomplete. And so we get to see that, that Jesus is, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the not whole. I'm going to use the incomplete. Because it isn't about their resources, it's about my resources. So, so often we, we get kind of tripped up and we go, oh, I can't. I can't do, you know, X, Y, Z thing. I'm, I'm not, you know, I just, I'm not good with words. You know, so I, I can't go out and I can't tell people about Jesus because I'm, I'm just not good at, I just can't articulate that very well. Or I just, you know, or I'm, I'm really shy or I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just so outgoing. I just, you know, or I want to tell a bunch of people, but I don't want to maybe do discipleship. And so sometimes we can kind of get torn between this, like, well, I want to, I want to baptize 
uh, or I, I can teach, I can you know do these these different things when we get into this or mentality. And Jesus says, no, 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 this is an and mentality. It's not fries or mashed potatoes or salad. It's and. So he says, I'm commanding you to go out in, in my authority. So not on your power, but on my power. Not based on your abilities, but on, on my abilities and what I've, how I've wired you and the way that I've gifted you to be in these unique situations at a unique time to talk to specific people to advance my kingdom. This is my resources for my kingdom. Because whenever we use our resources, we're going to advance our kingdom, right? But when we use God's resources, we advance God's kingdom. And so go and tell. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And so I love that he starts with authority. Right, Jesus is like, hey, all the authority has been given to me. Because of that, now go. And these words is make disciple, baptize, teach. These are all slow words. Discipleship is a long-term process. If you think back, um, you know, so if you're here, I assume that the Holy Spirit is working in your life in some way. And so th- I just want you to think back to to your own story, your own testimony, to the way that Jesus has worked in your own life. Was it immediate? I mean, some of us, it's like we're walking down, we have that, that, that Paul-Saul thing where Jesus comes and just drills us with a two-by-four because we just couldn't quite do it. But for most of us, discipleship is a slow process, right? You got to where you are today, not just because of your own power, but because the Holy Spirit was working in the lives of other people to come alongside of you, to encourage you, to hold you accountable, to instruct you in the ways of the Lord. And so this is why it's important that we're gathered together. That it isn't a one-on-one, but it's a team sport. It's a team activity. And so as you think about that, um, and so and so that's, this is why he brings him to Galilee, just to remind, hey, like, do you, do you remember what happened a couple of years ago? Like where you were then and where you are now? How did you get there? And so, it, you know, as we think about going out and telling and making disciples, how did we get to where we are? Who is instrumental in that? One, if you get a chance, thank them. I had the opportunity to do that to somebody who was pivotal. They're like, really? I was just trying to be kind. Like you were. And, and you opened my life up to, to a whole new way of living. And so, so who, are, who are those people in your life? Who have they been? And then who might you be in your life? Often we can, we can get kind of tripped up um, when we go in to tell people. And so I think that's what I love about Matthew's little side note there where he's like, oh, by the way, this thing was happening. Because wherever there's a mission, there's always going to be a counter mission, right? So wherever there's someone trying to do a good thing, there's going to be someone trying to do a, a bad thing. And so wherever there's going to be people trying to spread the love of Christ and advance the kingdom of God, there's always going to be a force working against it. There's always like Satan and evil are always going to try to perpetuate sin and death, and Jesus is always going to try to spread forgiveness and life. 
And so don't be surprised when, when you try to do this and there's, you get tripped up. There's something pushing back against you. Okay, but take stock in, in where are you and, and start to think about, man, okay, so if, if all authority has been given to me and I'm going out as Christ's ambassador to the world with all of his authority and to represent him and to make him look good to the world around me, who are the people in my life that I, that I know that don't know Jesus? I think sometimes we can think, oh man, we gotta, we're going to start a, a new, we're going to write a new policy or we're going to do you know, a new program. What I love about the kingdom of God is that Jesus is going to spread it through people. Incomplete people. People that don't have it all together. People that betrayed him. People that, that worship and doubt. Like, is that not hopeful? Like, I mean, is that not the gospel right there? Like, yeah, we don't, we're not, like, there's going to be days, there's days where I sit there and I go, God, like, really? Are we doing this? Is this, is this actually going to happen? Like, I'm a pastor. I get paid to be up here. Like, this is what I do for my, like, I do this for a living. But even I still have these, these moments where it's like, oh, okay, God. My resources versus his resources. And so as we go and tell, who are the people in your life that, that don't know the Lord? And if you're wondering, God, how do I go out and how, who can I reach? How can I do this? What are you excited about? What are you into? What are you doing every single day? For some of us, it's, you know, we have various activities in which we're involved. You know, whether it's at work or at school or for play, you know, you got some guys that you hunt with or some gals that you hunt with, maybe some people you fish with, acting groups, music groups, fitness groups. Are there people in those circles that you're already naturally running that don't know the Lord? And are you praying for them? Because if all authority, which means all authority in heaven and earth, which is all that is seen and unseen, all that is imagined and, and that we can, we can feel as tangible, if all authority has been given to Jesus and that is given to us, then, then man, why don't we use it? Right? Like, I don't use a handsaw in the shop if I've got a compound miter saw, right? Like, if all authority has been given to us, like, why are we trying to do it on our own? And, and who are we inviting along on the journey? We notice that, that Jesus sends the disciples out by twos, and then he gathers them together in groups. And so maybe, maybe you just know this one person very well, but is there another follower of Jesus that can bring them along? And you have two people praying for them and two people with them. Now they know two people that seek Jesus. And we can encourage them together. So as we go and tell, just three things to think about. Will we hold on to Jesus? Seeing his feet, worshiping, and having grace when we doubt. Will we hold on to Jesus? Will we allow his words of, hi, don't be afraid, wash over and transform our minds? And then let's ask the question, number two, are we moving out? If we have this command to go and tell, are we going and telling? And 
and this isn't meant to be a guilt trip, maybe. And so for maybe you don't have a very large circle. And for some of us, you know, we saw those those little people that went back there. Like, maybe that's your responsibility right now. Maybe that's who you're you're reaching out to and you're discipling. But let's ask the question of ourselves: Am I moving out? What excites me? Who do I know that I'm discipling or that I could disciple? And then three, when faced with the opposition, am I relying on my resources or God's resources? And are we seeking to to be winsome in our debates and debunk the inner lies that are within? So one, let's, let's hold on to Jesus. Two, let's ask the question, are we moving out? And three, when we're faced with the opposition, let's come right back around to number one, cling to Jesus, use his resources, and not our own. Because all authority has been given to him that we would go out to make disciples. And what does he promise us in the end? That he is with us always. So Sean, if you want to come back up, I'll pray for us. We can continue to worship through song. Lord, we thank you that you are with us always. And what an amazing gift that is. That you're with us individually and that you're with us collectively. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes to the people in our lives who don't know you, who are lost and are hurting, that we would would engage people we would offer them your life, not ours. That we would show them your grace and your forgiveness. That sin and death would no longer be part of our story or their story. But rather that we'd be rewritten and renewed and drawn into your presence. Amen. We have gathered to scatter and where what man has scattered, Jesus has gathered. This week, as you see and hear and follow Jesus, may you also go and tell others about him. Not that they would be made in our image, but that they would seek and follow Jesus and be transformed and renewed in his. Have a great week. Uh, if you didn't get enough to eat yet, There's simple carbohydrates and caffeinated beverages in the back. Hang out, greet one another, get to know one another. Have a great week. Go in peace.